Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Talking to Nobody podcast. I'm your host, Zane Talkington. And for those of you just tuning in, I'll give you a quick little recap about myself and what this show is all about. I'm an actor in Los Angeles, a podcast lover, and a mental health advocate. I created Talking to Nobody because I wanted a place where creatives of all kinds, actors, musicians, small business owners, writers, dreamers, could share their stories of the obstacles they've encountered along their journey, how they've overcome them, and how they've repurposed their pain into their art. We talk about the creative process, we talk about mental health, and we talk about starting a business from scratch. I wanted a place where the nobodies out there who are on their way could promote what they're working on and give advice to others who are beginning their own creative journey. Now that you know what we're all about, let's get to it. I have a very inspiring guest for you today. Chris Billick is the founder of State of Gratitude, a social impact lifestyle brand centered in creating mindful goods and apparel with the intention of giving back to the community. They do so by allocating a portion of the proceeds to addiction recovery initiatives and giving grants to individuals new to recovery from alcoholism and substance abuse. Chris shares his story of the years he battled with substance abuse, his journey towards sobriety, and how he created his new booming business during the pandemic. Talk about a comeback story. I'm going to have to consider this part one of his interview because I could have talked to him for hours and there are so many more questions I want to ask him. Living in a state of gratitude has changed his life and now he has repurposed his pain and past experiences and built something so beautiful that is giving people hope, creating a community, and raising funds for people in addiction recovery. This is a deep one, y'all, and, and so important. I am so grateful to you, Chris, for sharing your story. He also has an upcoming retreat in Los Padres National Park, April 7th through the 10th. It's four days and three nights, and it's going to be life-changing. It will be a curated experience packed with yoga, hiking, community meals, meditation, and at night, live DJ sets and campfires. You have to reserve your spot now. They are filling up, so get on it. I'm going. I'm so, so excited. The location is incredibly beautiful, and I hear the food is going to be amazing. You can shop State of Gratitude attire and book your spot for the retreat at www.stateofgratitudeusa.com. 
make sure you stay tuned all the way to the end of the episode so you can hear your old pal Grammy come out and play a fun Guess That Song with Chris. And if you are struggling with substance abuse, please know you are not alone and there is help. You can visit the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration website for more resources. Please enjoy Chris Billick. Talking to nobody. So you want to be somebody. I live in Miami. Oh, sweet. Okay. How is that? How's Miami? Yeah. It's different than LA. Okay, cool. A little warmer. Um, yeah. But it's nice. Like, right now, Miami's having a moment. So, Miami is one of the fastest growing cities right now. More people are moving there than anywhere else. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of stuff is opening. Lots of building is going on. Lots of people are moving there full time as opposed to just, like, you know vacationing yeah yeah, there for the winter yeah so it's like it's a pretty exciting time for miami um it's a very cool city yeah lots to do lots going on i went there once when i was getting on a cruise ship so i didn't really spend any time there i just like went there to like get on the boat and then go but and then i also went there um I went there for an audition because this agency reached out to me and they were like, oh yeah, you know, if you drive out to Miami, we'll set you up with an interview. And so this was when I was like, I don't know, 17, knew nothing about the acting world, knew nothing about agents and like if an agent was a scam or not. So me and my sister drive all the way out there from Tampa. So it was like, I don't know, four hours to get there. We see, we go down that, what's that street? Like Alligator Road? Alligator Alley. Alligator Alley. Yeah. So we drive down the street, we see alligators going across the street and I get there And I think I'm going to have like a one-on-one interview with this agent. And I walk in and there's like all these other people there who look just like me. And I waited, I think, for like two and a half hours just for me to go in there and then be like, yeah, we'll represent you, but you have to pay us like $500. And like, I don't, I don't have $500. They're like, oh, well, what could you do? Like 300? And I, I was so just like desperate to get representation because I wanted to be an actor. So I fucking paid them $300. And then I realized, oh shit, I don't have any gas money to get home. So I was like, can you can you guys refund me? And they wouldn't refund me. So it was a whole scam. It was a terrible experience. So I need to go back to Miami and have like a good time. Yeah. Because every sounds, time I've been there, it's, it's not it's Sounds good. super shady. Yeah. It was I mean, I guess we shady. like, you know, through the course of our lives... We come into like certain situations and we're faced with these really interesting like people and circumstances. But I mean, fortunately for you, you know, it's three hundred dollars and not like three thousand or thirty thousand dollars. You know, right? Or they didn't like you know kidnap me. And or you learned like that. you learned probably like an invaluable lesson at that time because then you had to figure out how you're going to get home. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then coming out here, it's like now I know when I'm meeting with agents, managers, whoever, like I, I know if, if it's a scam or not. Like you're not supposed to give them money. They don't make money unless you make money. So yeah, no, I'm I'm so grateful. I think there's been a lot of experiences like that where like I was shit out of luck, but I've learned from it. Right. You know, so right. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Um, really, all I know about you is that your favorite drink is Celsius, which we are drinking right now, and that you live in Miami and that you have this amazing business called State of Gratitude. So would you mind telling a bit about your story? So, yeah, that's a good start. So I grew up in Florida, in Orlando, uh, and I went to college in Boston Lived in New York for a short period of time. Then I moved down to Miami, went back to New York, back to Miami. Did a little time in Fort Lauderdale, you know. Yeah. The bouncing around of South Florida. Moved to Chicago. And then when I was living in Chicago, my parents did an intervention on me and Mm. sent me to rehab in Texas. So I got sober in San Antonio, Texas, and I moved to Austin shortly after that. And during my time in Austin was when the pandemic hit. Mm. And during the pandemic, we had gotten those like $1,200 stimulus checks. I took that check and I decided one day that I was going to take the mantra of what I had been using, you know, to like live my life by, by living in a state of gratitude and print it on as many t-shirts as I could get with $1,200. So I took the logo that I had drawn on a piece of paper to a local print shop. And I was like, Hey, how many t-shirts can you give me with this? And they were like, we can give you like a hundred shirts. And I was like, okay, cool. So then once I got the shirts, I started watching YouTube videos on how to build a website, figured out what kind of platform I needed to use, how to do graphic design. Cause I had no idea anything about graphic design. Yeah. And started texting every single person in my address book, every person that I had ever met in all those cities that I had ever lived in and just was like, hey, you need to buy a shirt for me and we're gonna allocate a portion of the proceeds to addiction recovery initiatives or we're gonna give grants to people who are new to sobriety from alcoholism and substance abuse. And sure enough, you know, people started buying the shirts from all over the place. You know, fortunately I had moved around to so many different places that I had kind of had the opportunity to connect with so many different people, even though, you know, a lot of the basis for the moves were not necessarily of the utmost, you know, they didn't come from like the best reasons. You know, I wasn't moving around because I was like trying to network. It was just circumstantial given the fact that I was living in active addiction and running from my problems and trying to solve them in different cities as opposed to just kind of like looking inward to figure out what was actually wrong. Yeah. Uh, But a byproduct of those moves was meeting all these different people. And by meeting all these different people, I was able to have a larger network to cast a larger net. And yeah, you did like marketing without even thinking about it. You know, exactly. There's there's steps in motion. Yeah. So then like, I sold all the shirts and then I, then they were like, well, maybe you should make like a tank top. Maybe you should make like a hat. Maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. And just through the course of time, like it started to just evolve. And this was about a year and a half ago. So it started to evolve into, you know, different curated, more or less of a curated selection of goods that like I kind of wanted to see like within a store, mm-hmm. even though I never had the intention of actually having like an actual state of gratitude store um i mean that could always change but yeah so yeah that's kind of like how it started 
Do you mind if I go back a little bit to... You can go back to wherever you want. Amazing. I love it. So, and you know, if there's anything that we, that I ask that's, you don't want to talk about, you can just tell me to shut up. Um, Well, you can be as open and honest as you want, but going back to when you started bopping around, like you said you went to college in Boston, why did you choose to go to Boston? So I went to Boston College uh, after I graduated from high school. I wanted to go someplace that I hadn't really been to before. I wanted to be somewhere where I could be far enough away from home that somebody had to hop on a plane and let me know that they were coming. Right. But not far enough that like it was like an inconvenience. Mm. And what was so wrong with home? You just felt stuck there for so long. You needed to get out. Was there family issues? There was no. I grew up. I had an amazing childhood. I had nothing wrong growing up. Uh, My parents are incredible people. I just, I don't know. I just had this. I think it was because I was, maybe, maybe it has something to do with the fact that I was gay and I wanted to be like, I really, I really just wanted to be in a city. I wanted to live in a city of some sorts. I get that feeling. Yeah. I think I, and I didn't think that Orlando was the city for me uh from a really young age I was just kind of like over Orlando in general and so yeah I really wanted to live in New York and I applied to like NYU I got in and that's a big deal that's huge congrats yeah yeah thank (laughs) you um I applied to like every school I applied to like 13 different schools like up and down the coast. My mom said that I could apply to any school on the East Coast, but that I couldn't apply to schools on the West Coast because the West Coast was too far. Um, so that was like, so that was, that was the, what is it called? Those were the boundaries, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. So I applied to like every school with like a decent business. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just, my dad always said, if you don't know what you want to do, just get a degree in business because that's always going to come in handy and I was like that sounds fair enough so I started looking up all the best business schools undergraduate business schools like along the coast and I applied to all of them so I applied to like you know the University of Pennsylvania NYU Boston College University of Maryland Michigan I think the only school that I applied to south of like the Mason Dixon line was probably like University of Florida that was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. It was like the one outlier that was like all the way down south. And that was solely because in Florida you have these like amazing scholarship opportunities through Bright Futures, which basically gives you free college if you have like above a certain GPA and an SAT score. Mm. Um, I remember hearing about that. Because I, I went to high school in Clearwater, Florida. So I heard about the Bright Futures thing, but I was the same as you. Like, I wanted to get out. Like, I'll go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I, I get that for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I had the, we had the Bright Futures, but I, I mean, we still do have Bright Futures. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not contingent on the fact of whether or not you remain in the state of Florida. That's just right. what the scholarship was called. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It was just, yeah, I just didn't want to be in Florida. I wanted to be in a bigger city. And my mom said, hell no to Miami at the time. So, I mean, I wasn't going to go south. I was going to go north. Mm. New York had always had those bright lights that I always wanted to kind of, like, I was always enamored by. 
except New York seemed a little more daunting once I was like, you know, confronted with making the decision as to whether or not I actually wanted to be in a school that was so intertwined with city living. You know, I really appreciated the city, but I I felt like Boston was a better match for me at the time just because it was still a city, but it still had a lot of the campus life and it still had the community surrounding the school and the football team and athletics. And there was just more of like an actual pride that came with like being a part of that school, whereas I felt like people who went to NYU, I mean, you could be walking on what could be considered NYU's campus and you could be walking by students or random other people who are just passing through that area. That's true. I've never thought about that. That's interesting. Yeah, because there's really no define, defining like boundaries as to like where NYU is. I mean, yes, in a sense, like this building is NYU, this building is NYU, but like you're still in Manhattan. And... Whereas Boston College has an actual, like, campus, you know. And it's still a city, and it was still a really good school. And so I decided to go to BC instead of going to NYU. Yeah, well, you you get that city vibe that you were looking for. But then, yeah, you have that nice campus, that sense of community. Because, yeah, living in a big city without having some type of sense of community, it can feel really, really lonely. Especially as a... 18 year old moving out of the house for the first time. First time, and you know nobody. Did you know anybody at that college when you went? I knew a couple people that had gone to my had to that had gone to one of the high schools that I had gone to in Orlando mm. that were going there. But still, it's scary. Yeah. So okay, so you you went to Boston. You're in college. You got that like city vibe that you were looking for. When, and I took full advantage of it. Yeah. I like, I went out like all the time. I had like 12 fake IDs. <laughs> yes. Like if, <laughs> if one didn't work or if one got taken, I'm like, it doesn't matter. I yeah. would just whip out the next I one. one. Yeah, you were prepared. Go somewhere else. Did they yeah. all have like different states on them where you came from or were they all from the same state? No, they were different. Okay. Yeah. yeah they were completely different. Some were fake. Some were like just other people somewhere. I had one of those. That someone was like another person that looked like me, and it worked. It worked until it didn't. Until it didn't. Yeah. I well, actually, I think it worked until I actually turned twenty-one, and then I was like, okay, I'm good. So yeah. And then you could retire that one. Yep. Yeah. I should have sold it. I should have sold it to somebody else. That would have been very illegal. Yes, that's true. I would never do that. (laughs) I wouldn't. We're not encouraging people to get fake IDs, but you know, if you do, just be smart about it (laughs) and don't sell it. Don't sell them. (laughs) Don't sell them. So when, if you don't mind me asking, when did the addiction start? Well, from the moment that I think I got to college, it was like. Actually, no, let's backtrack this a little bit. When I was in high school, I was a little bit of a rebel. So I was really good at kind of having these two like personas. In one sense, I was like this amazing student who was very active in playing tennis. But then I also had like this like devious side. You know, I liked to have fun, go to parties on the weekends, you know, get caught up in some drugs every once in a while i like was never a big weed smoker i went straight to cocaine like i was like this nobody's doing this i want yeah i want to be different 
right? So that's what I went for. And I was like, all these kids are so stupid smoking weed in school. I'm like, it smells. I was like, you're going to smoke weed in the bathroom. You're going to get caught because you can smell it. I'm like, you can't smell Coke. (laughs) You can do Coke and never get caught. So I thought. I never got caught for it in school. I got caught by my parents. That was a little bit more aggressive than getting caught by... And maybe whatever. It wasn't good. Uh, What was their reaction? Shock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just... Yeah. It was intense. Mm. I mean, growing up with... My mom is from Colombia. My dad is American, you know. And my parents were never drinkers, like, growing up. Like, my mom, still to this day, like, doesn't drink. Not because she's sober. She just doesn't like the effect of drinking alcohol. Um, so, so to come from that to see what I was doing was a very drastic shock. And my dad had kind of, like, experimented in doing things here and there, uh, he was a little bit more of a party boy. And so, you know, my dad saw things from like one very different perspective. He was like, well, maybe, you know, it's just like a phase, you know, he'll grow out of it like I did. And my mom was just like sheer shock and disbelief because this is somebody who doesn't drink, doesn't do anything, you know, so to see like two completely different polarizing like experiences. And you know, I kind of like, like used my dad a lot as like a pawn and my like defense to be like you know my dad has done stuff you know and it's fine and my mom was like this anomaly who like didn't do anything like didn't like wine didn't like margaritas didn't like the taste of alcohol didn't like any of that so you know to have somebody like that in the household I always felt like was just very polarizing in one direction so they they find out what was your explanation for doing it? Like, oh, it's just, I'm just doing it for fun. Like, you just didn't really think anything of it. What is the first reaction to any child who gets caught with something that they're not supposed to be doing? <laughs> Denial. Denial. You deny. It's not mine. Yeah. It's somebody else's. It's somebody, it's somebody else's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, That's exactly what it was. It mm-hmm. was never mine. It was somebody else's. I wasn't doing it. Deny, 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 deny. I'm holding yeah. it for a friend. Yeah, <laughs> it's not me. It's it's my friends. No, <laughs> it's not what you think it is. Yeah, you're overreacting. Right, it's it's Epsom salt. It's for my baths, you guys. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Was that even a thing back in the I back in the I don't even 2000s? know. Gosh, it seems like a lifetime ago. What year is it? 20? 2022. That's crazy. So this was like 2003. Yeah. 2004. Yeah, I feel like that probably wouldn't have been a valid excuse. Back then. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. My mom would have been like, what the, what, what the what hell the, is an yeah. You take You take baths? You, you clean yourself? What? You don't even have a bath. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. There's only one bathtub in the whole house, and I don't even think it's ever been used. Uh, that's kind of like your parents' bathtub. I feel like yeah, it's just it's, storage. Yeah, this big same, jacuzzi yeah. bathtub. It's, it's just, never used. Yeah. yeah. It's just, oh, no, it just I love there. a good bath, though. I don't know. Are you a bath person now? Do you like to... T- no? Yeah. Really? Oh, I I love baths. I I need a bath. I go- and I also love hot tubs. You need Maybe a bath like right now, dude. Right now, I would take a bath like ev- twice a day, every day. 
I just, oh, I don't know. It just relaxes me. It's like one of my, I guess, self-care things that I like to do. I like to do a face mask, like to sit in the bath and just chill. I don't know. Some people like to read in the bath, but I've never been that person because I'm afraid of getting the, the pages wet. So I just, I just sit. I just sit. But you, you guys don't do that? No. <laughs> Okay. So just unless, unless I was addicted like, to uppers. Okay. So then, yes. to have me like sit just still, still for a long period of time wasn't really in my nature. Got you. That and we also sense. didn't have a bathtub growing up. There you go. Okay, maybe. That's, so see, I, I would always, always look at them and I'd be like, like, what? Did, why? 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 It's taking up space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just sitting. We could like store stuff in there. It's like all that space. Yeah, you could use it for storage. Ah, okay. So back to college. So you get to college, you have this sense of freedom. Then do you just start hanging out with people who... Well, when when I have that sort of sense of freedom, I mean, it encourages... That behavior. That behavior to happen. Uh, And everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are you know, experiencing that same sort of freedom when they first get to college. So naturally i just start drinking like yeah like pretty freely at that point you know never really seeing the consequences of any sort of action or or thing that i was doing i mean i started wanting to like experiment a little bit more with my sexuality and so that kind of like brought about this need or desire to like hide things in a way shape or form so You know, that's what kind of like encouraged me to want to get like these fake IDs so that I could go and go to the gay bars in Boston, you know, and go drinking with people who were more like me than, you know, uh, than necessarily like my straight counterparts in school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had a I had a tendency in high school to always hang out with people that were older than me as well. So I always was not inclined, but like I craved that sort of like attention uh, from an not old, but just older than myself sort of crowd of people. I wanted to feel that sense of like I was more mature than my counterparts or I was more mature and I could handle things that other people couldn't. Um, Yeah. So when I got to college, like I started like, never going to classes, just kind of like going out all the time. We used to dub my outfits that I would come home in the morning. Like we used to dub them like from club to class. Ah! <laughs> yeah, because I would like show up from like the night out before and my roommates would be like, oh, I'm like, I'm in CC wear, you know, club to class. <laughs> yes. You, you would just go straight to class in what you were wearing at the club? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, oh sometimes I didn't have time to like change. Yeah. As oh if I even went to class. I mean, fortunately, though, I managed to graduate anyway. Uh, I failed some classes sometimes, and I would pull it together for summer sessions and pass the classes that I had done poorly in the semester before. Uh, but, you know, there were lots of moments where I was, like, yeah, really, really struggling and having that sense of freedom to me was really really important to in the sense that i thought that if i were to share what i was feeling or what i was going through that i would lose that sense of freedom and i 
felt like I really needed that freedom. And if I, and if that freedom was taken away, I don't know what would have happened, but mm. I don't know. It was a weird sort of, it was a weird sort of time in my life. Yeah. I guess you could say, I don't know. What do you think was the breaking point for you? What What was the rock bottom point that made, well, you said you, your parents sent you to rehab. So was it like a choice oh, they made so, for you? I mean, this is just something that like started when I was in college. It progressed for like years and years and years and it escalated more and more and more. So what started off as like, like little innocent drinking at one point, I mean, eventually led to like using cocaine. And then when I got to college, I started like experimenting with like, I somehow got wrapped up into escorting. So I started escorting a lot through college so I could pay for the things that I wanted. I was just about to ask, how did you fund this habit? Drugs are expensive. Going out is expensive. So I got wrapped up into escorting and then, you know, because I was doing those things, my grades were starting to falter. And so then that's when I was starting to do the summer classes. And then eventually, like, I would scale it back a little bit to the point where I could get myself through and actually finish school and on time, which was a miracle. Uh, And then I moved to New York because I was like, all right, I kind of like burned through Boston. I was getting feeling very tired of kind of like living in the way that I was living at that point. And I felt like Boston just wasn't doing it for me and so I got a job in New York working for an ad agency and I moved to New York to work for a really really big brand and while I was there you know same person same patterns expecting a different result Mm. you know it's like the insanity of it all you go someplace else keep drinking keep partying the way that you were before doing the same things that you were doing before, but now I'm expecting myself to like wake up at seven o'clock in the morning so that I could get to work at 9 a.m. Right. But that didn't mean that I was going to change my patterns of going out every night, you know? But those two things don't ever really live synonymously. Like if you're going to go out till four or five o'clock in the morning, you're not going to wake up at 9 a.m. to go to work. And I didn't all the time. And eventually I lost that job. Mm-hmm. And that was probably one of the first times that I faced any sort of real consequence from from my drinking and using. At that point, it was still just drinking and cocaine, drinking and cocaine. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of like, and then I started to shift my ideas or perspectives on what I wanted to what I thought I needed to do. So instead of being so focused on working at this office job because I was like, you know, the problem is the office job. I'm just not cut out to work in an office. It's not conducive to the lifestyle that I want to live. I should be a bartender. So did you become a bartender? Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, I need to be working in bars. This is home for me. You know, this is my these are my people. This is my environment. Right. This is where I yeah. should be. Your you time know? off, you're you're in clubs, in bars, and things like that. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I enjoy this. Why this is not where I work, work where I, enjoy I usually this. am? It's not going to be work. Yeah. Yeah. So I started working in the nightlife scene, you know, and and then even then, I was like finding it difficult to like hold a job 
or just to like show up to things i was like still always hungover or i was getting really really drunk at work and you know being a mess by by the end of the night i was like blacking out and i wasn't even knowing what i was doing anymore i was like on autopilot and so that was also problematic as well lost a few jobs in that sort of circumstance that sort of routine my parents pushed me to do something more they were like you can't just be working in restaurants and bars you have to do something more and i was like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna start going to nursing school I was like, I'm going to be a nurse because nurses only work three to four days a week, 12-hour shifts. I'm like, I could get my shit together for a 12-hour shift three times Mm. a week. So Mm. I started going to nursing school. In New York? In New York, which was very expensive. Didn't work out. (laughs) How long did you stay in nursing school? Until I failed, (laughs) Uh, which was like nine months. Yeah, it's but then good. I was like, but then I was like, you know, they put too much on me all at once. Mm. You know, this is too much all at once. I should have spaced it out more. So then that's when I decided to move to Miami. Mm. I was like, I could do it for much cheaper in Miami. I'm a Florida resident. Mm. You know, I can go to a community college in Miami, live in Miami. I had already kind of like felt like I had like run my course in New York. Yeah. And also to that nice weather, the nicer know? weather, the nicer yeah, beaches. the beaches, yeah. everything. So I moved to Miami, and once I was down there, like moved to a different city, same person, doing the same things, expecting a different result. Yep. Like, but that didn't happen. So just same patterns. You know, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. But nothing was ever getting clean. And except this time, I like once in my time in New York, I had started doing lots of Molly. So I was doing Molly maybe like four times a week, like Wednesday through through Monday kind of deal. Taking two days off to like eat ice cream and cry. And then, you know, continue the cycle again. And then... Yeah, and then I started dabbling in other party drugs too a little bit, you know, because I would be so inebriated at this point that like somebody would put something else in front of me and I wouldn't really say no or know what it is or even ask questions, you know. And those are my first couple experiences like with meth, uh, crystal meth. And, and I didn't really like fully comprehend like what I was doing at the time. Uh, and then by the time that like I had shifted and moved down to Miami I just kind of like kept going in the same cycle and just doing the same thing over and over and over again and eventually you know through a couple relationships and a couple breakups uh, relationships that were based on you know the same lifestyle that I was trying to lead um, I got really really wrapped up in just DUIs and then I started like I was like, well, you know, maybe drinking isn't working for me. And then I discovered GHB and meth. And I was like, well, if I do these things, I don't have to drink. And then I won't get in trouble for drinking. I won't smell like alcohol and nobody will know. Mm. And, and yeah, that started a whole new set of drugs. And it was those drugs that actually, like, 
I mean, my life was already pretty destructive in nature, but those really brought it down fast. And I did those for many years again. Can you describe the feeling of what it's like when you're on meth? It's like it's like taking a more concentrated form of cocaine. Okay. So you get hyper hyperactive, you know, you want to do everything, you know, mm-hmm. when you do a bump of cocaine. You know, you do meth, you get you wanna clean everything. You wanna Yeah. You know. It was the GHB, you know, which was uh my drug of choice for a long time that would kind of mimic the effect of alcohol in a way without having to consume the calories uh and mixed with you know an upper could allow you the ability to use more g over a longer period of time uh and it also like you know makes you more sexual removes any sort of sexual inhibitions and you know just kind of like takes everything into a much darker path um not to say that people who drink a lot don't live dark lives but it was just a different level of darkness isolation um Mm -hmm. reclusiveness that comes with those those drugs of choice um yeah and then once i was kind of like really really wrapped up in that and that was when towards the end of my first time in miami that's when i decided to move to chicago why chicago just well, I another had, city just another i had been working at a restaurant slash hotel on south beach and i was making a ton of money working there like a ton of money working there and i was there for a long period of time and eventually i lost my job and when i lost my job there one of the managers had decided that they were going to move to Chicago to work at it as the GM of a restaurant in Chicago. And he thought that the reason why they fired me was bullshit. And so he was like, you should just come work for us. That's great. That's that's nice of him. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So it was kind of like a redemption in a way, because I was like, you know, trying to find another job in Miami, but nobody would hire me because once I had gotten blacklisted from one hotel, Oh. Right then, they there all goes talk. your reference. Yeah, and yeah. Wow. What was the yeah. reason? They, if you don't mind me asking, they said I was stealing from them. Was that true? No, it wasn't <laughs> true. Yeah, that was the one thing. That's the reason why I was like so upset at the time because I mean I was doing a hundred things wrong, right? Yeah. I was like calling out of work. I was doing all the things. I was a mess, you know, for the first like two hours of every shift because I was like coming down. But you weren't stealing. But I wasn't stealing. (laughs) But I wasn't stealing. I was like, you can fire me for anything else. I'm like, but at least make it true. Right. Yeah, that's so bullshit. Well, good for that guy for recognizing that that wasn't true. Well, yeah, I was the highest. I was the highest performing and the highest grossing bartender that they had. So I was like, if I was stealing, like, how could I be ringing in more than everybody else like combined performing so well yeah how does that that, yeah i was like if anybody's stealing it's everybody else because look at them they're not ringing in everything yeah yeah um and so yeah that was kind of like that was that situation but i mean the whole thing in chicago just offered me a way out of miami to try again you know Mm -hmm. to try again in a different place yeah 
I went to Chicago and was like, okay, let's let's try this again. This is going to be the place. Like, this did you have is, that feeling? Yeah, I was like, this is going. I'm like, you know, Miami was was you know not the right city. You know, it's not a big enough city. It's too small. X, Y, and Z. I was like, Chicago's a real city. Let's do Chicago. And so I moved to Chicago, but I didn't change anything. I just kept doing crystal meth. I kept doing G, except this time around, one of the very first people that I met in Chicago was one of the worst people I've ever met in my life. And he got me to do things with those drugs that I've never even thought about doing before and you know using those drugs in ways that i never used them before and it just really it turned already a dark situation into like a black box and you know he was stealing my identity he was stealing my money he was you know returning my furniture when i was like gone he wouldn't leave my apartment he was threatening to call the cops if i were to ever do anything to him and And it just turned, and then it turned into a physically abusive, like, friendship, really. And it wasn't even a friendship. It was like an acquaintanceship. And it just got to the point where I was in a position, you know, where one day the kid had beat me up. And, like, I was standing there looking in the mirror in my apartment. And I'm like. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If I don't do something about this, this kid is probably going to kill me in my own apartment. And he had been threatening to tell my parents like what I was doing. And for fear of losing the freedom that I thought I so desperately needed, I was like, you can't do that. And one day I eventually was like, you know what? I'm going to tell my parents everything. So that way you don't have any power over me. I'm the one who's sharing the information to take the power away from you and you need to get out of my place. So I called my parents. I told them everything that was going on. And, and then I told him, I was like, now you got to go. That's amazing. That's, I mean, you took back the control. Yeah. You took your power back. Kind of. Yeah. I took it back. I got him out, but then I also... They knew. But then my parents knew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then my parents came up, and they were like, okay, you need to go to rehab, like outpatient rehab. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was able to spin it off a lot at the time and be like, you know, this is what this kid is doing. 
this kid came into my life. This kid brought these things. Mm -hmm. I didn't bring these things. He brought these things. Mm -hmm. But I was doing them all along. Um, And, you know, my parents, my mom came up. She helped me kind of like restabilize myself a little bit. And then the moment that she left, I just went right back to using again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she came back up with my dad, and they surprised me like three weeks later. Didn't tell me that they were coming. I thought that I was moving to a city that like nobody could <laughs> surprise me. That was the one thing that I never wanted was a surprise. Yep. But lo and behold, she surprised me right outside my apartment that day. I didn't have time to clean everything up. And, you know, like cover was blown they saw right through it and three days later i was on a plane down to texas to get sober i mean at that point you were how old were you in when you were in chicago 28 28 so i mean you could have ish you could have made the decision to not go to rehab right but were they pretty i don't want to say forceful but they were like you're you're going yeah you're going yeah and i'm like okay yeah okay yeah. i mean thank god i said yes i mean who right. knows whatever where i would be today if that yeah. wasn't the case was there ever a moment where you felt like just giving up like just ending your life because you just felt so out of control and that you couldn't get yourself back on track i never had those types of thoughts I always thought that the problem was somebody else. Mm-hmm. And if I could just remove somebody else, else then you'd from the situation, then everything would be fine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was Jake that I needed to get rid of. You know, yeah. once Jake was out of the equation, then things would be normal. Right. I could function at a normal level. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, I'd been using and using drugs for like about seven years wow so in my mind i was like a functioning drug addict Mm -hmm. and it wasn't me that was the problem it was these other people that were coming into my life as a result of the drug use yeah that were infringing on my ability to live like as a functioning addict Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense yeah yeah it does definitely yeah no Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's easy to put the blame on somebody else because then it it takes it off of of you it's really hard to recognize our own problems and actually because then when you when you know that there is a problem you have to do something about it and I think that's why we avoid I don't know self-reflecting because we're not ready to do the work so as long as there's always somebody and I feel like because I've done that too before I met Nathan I would I was attracted to these I don't want to say problem people but yeah people that I thought I I could fix or I was I don't want to say better than but then like you were saying more I was more mature than them I I could hang out with them and I could guide them on the right path but then if I did do something out of character I could just be like oh I did it because of them they Mm -hmm. had the influence on me my father committed suicide when I was 14 so I'm sorry oh no I mean it's you know it's life he he was in a really dark place and he just he had to get out of it and I also struggled with those dark thoughts and there was a moment in in high school where I attempted to take my own life and I had 
been doing the same thing like I, I wasn't addicted to anything I think I was addicted to to love or what I thought was love and I and I was getting it from all the wrong people and then when they would choose someone else over me or decide that I wasn't good enough then I would just go and find somebody else and when I decided to try to take my own life it was after this guy that I had been with who (laughs) he would skip school all the time and I I wanted to be with him I wanted to try to fix him and make him happy so I would skip school to be with him and then I find out that he was cheating on me with my best friend and you know all the while I'm still dealing with this guilt that I was feeling about my father uh, because my entire family on his side blamed me for what he did and I took on that guilt for a long time because I was 14 when it happened. So as this little girl who lost her dad and everybody was blaming her, it's like I started to believe that it was true. So then I I think the reason I was clinging to all these people was because I was afraid of them doing what my dad did. Like I, I would, I was attracted to these people who were depressed and and sad and I thought oh I I can help them I can inspire them I can make them want to keep living and it's like I had a fear of them killing themselves so I would just like latch onto them so much for fear that they were going to do what my dad did and then when they all just kept leaving me I was like okay well if if I I'm not doing what they need I'm not inspiring them I'm not like giving anybody hope like why am I still here so I tried to end it and um I was obviously not successful and I'm so grateful every day that that I woke up that next morning and so I feel like this this talk about addiction it's like I've never experienced being addicted to like a substance but I feel like we can also be addicted to like I don't know feelings do you think that's that's true it's like a different feeling obviously but like I don't know I just I mean, went on a rant here <laughs> no I mean it's it it makes sense in a lot of ways I mean there's so much that or like the like the euphoria you get from like love right I yeah. mean love I mean there's there's a there's a program for that it's called SLAA yeah sex love addicts anonymous you know love releases dopamine you know just like any other drug and people who get addicted to that dopamine release you know have issues with establishing like normal relationships with other people you know they become addicted to the feeling of being in love the feeling that you get when you're having sex because all those different things are things that release dopamine um yeah so that's definitely something i mean i don't think that you can be i mean you can also be addicted to happiness you know and never wanting to feel depressed but i mean at the same time it's like you know you have to take the good with the bad at the end of the day like nobody lives in like a constant state of euphoria and if you do then that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you you get to rehab. 
you make the choice to to be committed to it how long are you there and and what was that experience like being in rehab rehab was rehab was great i mean in the beginning it sucked obviously um but once i had kind of like made it past the first few days it was it was incredible it was amazing like really opened my eyes i mean once i was able to clear the clouded judgment and the fog and the haze from my life and just look at it from an outsider's perspective objectively mm-hmm. i could see how fucked up everything was i was like wow and like that's all not normal and that's all kind of crazy you know and then i was like oh my god wait a minute like every celebrity is not on crystal meth like i used to think that everybody was on crystal <laughs> meth you know that's how i like justified like anything that i was doing because i was like everybody's actually using it like nobody wants to talk about it but everybody's right on it. everybody's doing it <laughs> yeah. yeah and so like once i was able to kind of like you know quell a lot of those like insane conspiracy theories and you know just kind of like understand that what I was doing and what was happening in my life was not normal or like conducive to me living a long, healthy life. I was able to change the way I thought about things and I was able to really implement the idea of living in a state of gratitude, Mm -hmm. like on a different, on a level. That's when I started like using and coining the phrase to myself and using it with other people, you know. Where did you first hear it? Did somebody use it? I had no idea. I can't remember. I mean, the word gratitude just, gets thrown around a lot yeah. in those circles. And so I think I was just kind of like, you just got to like live in a state of gratitude. Yeah. Because I, mean, I turned into like an instant like stoner. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like, just like live in gratitude. Just bro. live in it. Yeah. Gratitude's one of my favorite words right. for sure. I love that necklace. Does it say st- I can't yeah, see because I'm blind, but... I love that. Do you sell those or that's like a, oh, I might have to buy one of those. It's beautiful. It's actually like. Oh, it's like a double. One super long. Oh, I love that. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to buy that for sure. Yes. Loop it around. Yeah. Gratitude is my second favorite word. My first favorite word is excelsior. I don't know if you ever heard that word. It's the name of a gay party in Mykonos. Oh, no way. <laughs> yes, even better. I love it even more now. And it's okay. the, the New York State motto, too. Yeah. Yeah. Excelsior. Yeah, I, I love it because of Silver Linings Playbook. Um, I don't know oh, if you've ever yeah, seen. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that. ever since I saw that movie. I have a tattoo of it, actually. Well, that's one strength. I have excelsior here. So yeah, it's my it's my power word. But my second favorite word is is gratitude. So what's your third favorite word? Ah, uh, my third favorite word. <laughs> dicks. Uh, yes, <laughs> dicks is my my third favorite word. Actually, I'd have to say it's probably tied with like excelsior. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I love it. Yes. Okay. So getting into state of gratitude and the business side of it, you're in rehab. You you are starting to feel good inspired how long was that process how long were you there i mean i didn't get i didn't stay sober the first time around okay um i had a couple relapses after i got out uh that landed me back in a hospital once and landed me back in rehab again a second time the same place no back in florida oh, okay so like every time i've ever relapsed it's gotten like a little worse and worse every time mm-hmm. so this is the longest i've ever been sober now how um, long has it been 
It'll be a year and a couple days. That's huge. Amazing. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. That's, that's really huge. Thank you. And, you know, I attribute it a lot to, since I've been back in Miami, this idea or need to, like, escape my problems or my reality and go somewhere else to do something different has changed. So I no longer have this, like... Need to escape. Need to escape. Like, I want to confront my problems and, like, deal with them head on rather than, like, jumping ship before it gets too bad. Is that something you learned in rehab? I mean, it's something that I think has kind of always been in my mind and my thought process a little bit. But then, you know, once I was sober, I I didn't want to keep moving around anymore. I mean, with the exception of like coming out to LA, I mean, I still have my home, you know? So there was a lot that kind of like went into that thought thinking. I was like, okay, I, if, if things go, if things go South again in Miami, I can't just up and leave because then I'm not really addressing the problem at hand. I'm You're just continuing the yeah. same patterns. Cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just continuing the same motion, just expecting, you know, a different result different again, result. which is the definition of insanity. I've always wondered this, uh, because I know, in AA, there, I don't want to say there's like a religious aspect to the recovery process, but was it the same in rehab? Do they talk about a specific religion, God? Is it a spiritual type of healing process? I, I don't really want to speak for anybody, yeah. uh, but I like the whole process behind a lot of, a lot of recovery programs uh is the sense or the or the recognition of a higher power greater than yourself Mm -hmm. uh that kind of like brings you back to sanity so whether it's you know god you know the spaghetti monster in the sky (laughs) right or you know the god god meaning yeah the god meaning the universe or god meaning a group of drunks you know it could really be the power of the room and the power of the community. It could be anything, just as long as you believe in the fact that, like, it's not you. Mm-hmm. Right. What was it for you? What was your higher power? I mean, I believe in the universe. That's what I believe in. Like, the I, energy. Energy. I mean, necessary. Maybe, like, there might be some sort of, like, God, you know, figure case. I, I believe that, like, my brain isn't really meant to fully understand the concept of what is i don't think we are right. yeah, yeah i don't right. think we're meant to comprehend yeah. yeah yeah we're not meant to know everything there's a reason why we don't and yep it's very humbling you know i think it's meant to, to keep us humble exactly and it's just yeah it's just something something greater than myself i don't know what it is how to describe it you know to some people, it's love. To some people, it's compassion. To some people, it's, you know, the old man in the sky with the white hair and a gray beard. You know, like, it doesn't really matter what it is, just as long as you don't believe that you are the end-all, be-all and the only person who can help get you out of that sort of situation. Putting your ego aside. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of, like, where, yeah, that has been a huge support i guess you could say and like helping me realize that like you know i didn't have to live this life of isolation you know and putting all of my issues and problems like on myself and feeling like i was the only one that had to get myself out of 
my predicament or my circumstances. I was able to realize that like it was okay to ask for help. It was okay to share the struggles that I was going through. It was okay to share what I was feeling at the time because for so long I felt like asking for help was going to eliminate my sense of freedom, you know, and the freedom that I thought I had, which really wasn't freedom, it was more of like an imprisonment, you know, uh, I became more free in talking about it as opposed to feeling like I was imprisoning myself by sharing my struggles. Is it hard? Is it hard to to share or is it has it been kind of a therapeutic way for you? I mean in the beginning it was it was a little bit more challenging. I mean through the course of time you become a little bit more conditioned to Yeah, this is my story. Yeah, this is my story like it it it's not that it loses its it's not that it loses its its like vigor or its effect on me, but it just becomes easier for me to talk about other things when those other issues, problems, or circumstances arise that make me feel uncomfortable. Whereas in the past, I might have just like kept my mouth shut and just gone with it, knowing that like it, knowing that I wasn't doing the right thing or that I was doing something that was putting me in a position that made me feel uncomfortable. I would just do it anyway, just to appease other people or to come off as being cool or come off as being something to someone that I wasn't. And through the course of time, I've realized that, you know, my voice is just as important and my thoughts and my feelings are just as important as anybody else's. And there's no reason why I should do something that I don't feel comfortable with if I don't want to do it. I'm learning that more and more <laughs> to say no, to say no and and that it's okay to to talk about how we're feeling. That's why I started this podcast was I wanted to hear from dreamers, from from people who have who've experienced obstacles in their life, who have been, you know, at rock bottom and they've rebuilt themselves or they're rebuilding new things to give other people hope but also to talk about those those low moments because I feel like there's there's not a lot of that out there I think it's starting to come out there but on social media I just see a lot of people posting their good days it's all good good stuff happy stuff which is great but I feel like you kind of start to feel it's hard to relate to you know because that's not real life and and that's why I wanted to create a show where people could talk about both they could talk about their lows and their highs and hopefully give other people the courage to to tell their story if they want to but that you don't have to you know it's just having that choice that you can speak up or you cannot but just know that you're you're not alone and I'm just so grateful to you for being so open and sharing the story because I'm I'm sure there've been a lot of a mixture of emotions with with everything you've gone through you know maybe like I don't want to speak for you but I know for me I I've, I've felt like a lot of shame and embarrassment when I talk about things that I've done so it's it's hard to like own up to those feelings so right and 99.9 percent of the time we think in our lives that like our that our story is like so unique and that we're such a unique predicament and that like nobody else can 
can even come close to understand what we're going through. And that's all total bullshit in like so many ways because we're not unique. We're not that special. No. (laughs) No matter what our parents told us our whole lives. (laughs) Yeah, we're not. And my sponsor tells me that like all the time. He's like, you're not special, honey. You're not (laughs) unique. You're not like better than anything. You are just like everybody else and you need to follow the rules just like everybody else. And and that's hard to hear sometimes because I'm like, no, like, oh, how, I don't want to follow the rules. I'm like, how dare you? Do you know who I am? Yeah. Like, no, that doesn't put me above anything. And it's hard when when they're out there giving all these kids participation trophies for like playing games. And I had that mom and I I'm grateful to her. I love my mom, but she was that mom who who built me up it was like you're gonna be famous you're gonna win an oscar you're and i'm not saying that that's bad like i love you mom thank you for like being my biggest cheerleader but there was a time where i got in my head i'm like yeah i'm gonna win an oscar i'm gonna graduate from acting school i'm gonna get an agent right off the bat and i'm gonna start booking shit and that didn't happen (laughs) and that's that's okay but i i guess i'm kind of glad that she did that because i had to learn driving to Miami and finding out that agent meeting was a scam I had to learn that on my own and she wasn't the one to tell me like oh Zane don't do that like that's probably a scam I had to put myself in the fire and get burned and learn so yeah but you're so right I need to be reminded of that like you are not that's why I love traveling is because when I go to a different country I am so humbled because I'm reminded I'm not the only fucking person in the world I like we live in America that's America's not the only country in the world and I think a lot of people would learn a lot if they just got out of their little bubble (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so well, Chris, you're just, you're so inspiring. And I'm like, I don't want to say you're so special. You're the best, but you, you are an incredibly special person. And I just think it was a universe thing that, cause I wasn't supposed to work that shift at Moto that day. I was covering for someone and I had to get up at like 4.30 to be there. And I was, I'm not a morning person, but I was so happy that I met you. And thank you so much for doing this. Um, I guess to just kind of wrap it up, I would love to hear where we can find your store, your retreat that you have coming up, anything that you'd like to promote. Yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at state.of.gratitude. Our website is stateofgratitudeusa.com. Love it. We have a retreat coming up for people who are mindful, wellness-oriented, into meditation, Uh, glamping in the desert we're going to be creating an experience that combines elements of yoga meditation mindfulness with djs at night pool parties hiking amazing 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 curated food uh for four days and three nights about an hour and 45 minutes north of la at the foot of the los padres national forest and yeah, it's just it's going to be an incredible experience. We're at like 50% capacity right now. We're trying to book up our last tents that we have available. That's so exciting. Yeah, yeah but it's going to be amazing. You can find all the information on our website under the retreat tab located at the top of the page. Awesome. So, so get your tickets, people. Yeah. So not quick. Yes. Yeah. It's just 45 days away. Right. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, get, get on it because they're going to fill up. 
just a couple questions to finish up what would your advice be to someone who is at the beginning of their recovery process or someone who hasn't even started yet and is is feeling like they they know they need to make a change but they're scared of leaving their lifestyle behind i mean nothing's ever going to change if something doesn't change yeah uh, and you know that is just something that I've realized and I see so often like I'm not one to tell somebody that they're an addict or an alcoholic that they need to change their lifestyle but you know if you constantly see yourself falling or succumbing to the same situations and circumstances and you feel like you're living a life that like you know you're not meant to live like you know there needs to be some sort of action that happens and if you don't act on it then how is anything going to improve you know, try talking to somebody about it, try, you know, sharing a little bit of the experience that you're having, because, you know, talking about things is a great way of performing a little bit of like therapy or writing it down in a journal, you know, doing something that's out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Because once we start living outside of our comfort zone, when we live right yeah is that how it goes yeah no you have to get uncomfortable you know and I think I've learned that a lot this past year or so is yeah you can't just stay stuck in a pattern and expect something to change you know you have you have to stay committed to it which that's that's the hardest part is the discipline how do you think you've you said you, you've almost been sober for a complete year now. What was the thing that made the biggest difference for you to really stay committed this time around? What do you think has helped you? It's just being easier on myself this time around and just being okay with not being okay all yes. the time. And, you know, realizing that, like, when I'm not okay, then I need to do something about it. Whether that's I go to a yoga class or I go to a meeting or... I call someone up on the phone and I like go out to coffee or lunch or dinner just to like, you know, process my thoughts, feelings and emotions. You know, yoga for me has been a huge like support in the sense that like if I ever don't want to go to a yoga class, I probably need to go to a yoga class. Yep, <laughs> That's me so, too. <laughs> yep. And then afterwards, I'm so happy I did. Yep. Yeah, I think I saw a post that you posted earlier today, something about like you have to sweat every day or you feel like out of whack or something. Yeah. Is, is, does that help break you? Break a sweat. Yeah. Yep. If yep. I don't break a sweat, then there's like something, something's off. Yep. That's how I am too. That for a while, that was like I my in, therapy. Turn was... into like a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. No. When do you like to work out? Do you like to work out in the morning, middle day, at uh, the end of the day? Depends on what part of the country I'm in. Yeah. Because sometimes I can get up really early and I can do my morning yoga classes and then like maybe like go back to the gym in the afternoon and like try to lift some weights or whatever. Yeah. Uh, But for the most part, I love the early morning workouts. In LA, like I feel like I have a problem with finding like just like normal like vinyasa flowy classes that are like more awakening you know like more relaxing and like oh like let's wake up and do yoga together right every time i come to like an early morning yoga class in la they're like blasting music and 
and throwing weights at me and I'm like, I don't want this is not what I wanted no. at seven AM. I wanted like, a gentle wake up and sweat. Yeah. yeah a nice little flow. Music. Yeah. Maybe like ninety five degrees, not like a hundred and ten. In Miami we have tons <laughs> of those types of classes in the morning and I'm like <laughs> No, LA they have to throw in all these like weights and kettlebells and things it's like a full body workout it's not just yoga class so that's why i love moto because they have such a great variety of classes and and teachers and the the classes without music i used to avoid those because i was like no i I need music but sometimes they're nice like you're saying like in the morning maybe maybe no music is okay so you can like i Oh, you hate those? Hate the no music classes. Uh, you don't like to hear everyone breathing. No. Yeah, yeah. That's the one thing that I don't want to hear is everybody breathing. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I'm starting to come around to them a little bit, but I still, I don't know, I would still prefer. Music. They're like a last resort. Yes. Yeah. Like, all right, fine, I'll go. But I know that I should go to them because they make me uncomfortable. So that's why I make myself go. I'm like saying you have, then it forces me to breathe because I can hear that I'm not breathing. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for being here. State of gratitude. It seems like your business is just blowing up and I am so, so happy for you. I hope it continues to grow. Thank you. And um, thank you so much for being so open and sharing your story. And I'm going to buy one of those necklaces from you (laughs) because I love it. Thank you. And we'll spread the word about the retreat. That sounds like a really beautiful experience that I need. I need something like that. So thank you. Thank you. Talking to Nobody is supported by State of Gratitude, a social impact lifestyle brand centered in creating mindful goods and really, really cute and comfy apparel with the intention of giving back to the community. They do so by allocating a portion of the proceeds to addiction recovery initiatives and giving grants to individuals new to recovery from alcoholism and substance abuse. To shop State of Gratitude, you can go to www.stateofgratitudeusa.com or on Instagram, state.of.gratitude.usa. You can use code GRAMMY at checkout for 15% off your purchase. Use G-R-A-M-M-Y at checkout for 15% off. Look stylish, be comfy, save lives, live in a state of gratitude. And now it's time for Game Time with Grammy, the part of the show where Grammy comes out and plays a little game. Well, hello, dears. Welcome back to Game Time with Grammy. This is a portion of the show where Zany steps aside and I get to come in and play a little game with our guest. Today, I'm here with Chris. Hello, Chris. Hi. Hi, dear. What's your last name? Billick. Billick. That's yes. interesting. What's your middle name? Jonathan. Jonathan. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. I love your attire. What? What is this? What's all this state of gratitude going on? I'm sure Zany asked you about it, but tell me a little bit. Oh, it's just, it's a brand that I started during the pandemic, and it's mindful goods for mindful people. And yeah, we allocate a portion of our proceeds to addiction recovery initiatives. So we help 
addicts get back on their feet again. That's so amazing. I love the idea where you look so handsome. You're rocking it to gold and the gold. Yes, I'm a silver woman myself, but I love the gold on you. Oh, we have silver too. We oh, silver oh, perfect. Oh, yay. Okay, cool. Janie likes your gold. I'll get the silver and it'll be great. We'll take some matching photos. <laughs> I love it. Well, our game master, Mr. Cool. Nathan Mitchie, yeah. from the Australia place down under, is... It's going to tell us what game we're playing today. Yeah. So we got a fun game today. It's going to be pretty easy. We're going to pin you up head to head. Ooh. And what I've got on the TV is I'm going to play some uh, some songs, and you're going to have to guess the song. First one to call it out and guess it gets a point. Ooh, so we just call it out as soon as just we know? Just call it out. There's yeah. no buzzer? There's no, we don't have a buzzer, unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> our budget isn't that high just yet. just raise our hand? <laughs> Maybe raise a hand? Uh, sure. I mean, there may not be enough time in the recording, so... Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, okay got... Ooh, here okay. we go. Ready? Let's do this. I'm not so hip with the new tunes. I, I like the oldies, but we'll see oh, what I got. We'll see. Okay, we're, right. up, we're on here. Yes. This is fancy. You got it up on a TV, TV and everything. Massive. Yes. You take this Christmas tree and down. So, My goodness. Yeah, go. we're going to make sure we have. It's freaking February, Janie. Why shit up? All right. Ready? Bruno Mars. Uh, yes, I'm not that hip, but I know that one. He's he's a good fella. Well done, Ooh. Bruno Mars. Yes, yes. <laughs> he's, he's a good one. Wow, yeah. that was challenging. Yeah. Because you like muted. That's mm. some fancy technology you got going on over there. <laughs> I don't know how you do that all. All right, so one right. point to me. One point to Grammy. All right, Clip you got this, Chris. I believe in you. Here's the thing we started out, friends. It was cool. It was all pretend. Well, since you've been gone. Yeah. You got it. You knew that right off the bat. Look at you. Coming in That's strong. good. Good on you. I was like, I was like, shit. You're strong. like, I've heard this one before. Yes. This makes you want to do some karaoke. Right? Yes. Ooh. All right. This is a fun game. Here we go. We got you don't want me to do karaoke. Oh, I do. I do. Is it, do you have a go-to sure song? What's your like go-to karaoke song? None. None. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they shine you up for. You don't want me singing karaoke. <laughs> I just like to sing the show tunes. And clip South three. Pacific. Oh. Eminem. Oh. Oh. Yeah. He, he. Yes. Yeah. That was quick. Do we know what song? Mm, mm. Eight Mile. No. It's it's in Eight Mile. Oh, that's the movie that is in. Yeah. Wow, I'm one shot, one opportunity. Get <laughs> everything you ever wanted in one moment. Would you capture it? Just let it slip. I'll give you the point. Yes. What yes. is what you the song? What lose, lose, lose yourself. Your lose, lose yourself. Lose yourself. Lose yourself. Lose the moment. moment. Yeah. Even Grammy knows that one. Yes. Yes. See, I'm a hip. I'm a hip old woman. Yes. I'm. I'm in the know with the gems. So that's two points to Chris. I still don't know why his name is Eminem, like the candy, but you know, whatever. Whatever makes him happy. I do like Eminem. Okay. Next song. All right. Here we go. We go. Bring it on. Song number four. Whoa! Oh! 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 Uh, uh, shivers! 
By the, the, the ginger kid that, that everybody loves right now. It is Shivers by Ed Sheeran. Yes, everybody's loving him lately, okay. I hear. Ooh. Ooh, what are we at? Up. What's our score? It's a tie game. So ooh, far. Two, ooh. Two. Okay, I'm going to get you, Chris. I'm going to get you. How many more we got? We got three Four. left. Three. Oh, snap. Okay, let's do it. This is so fancy with the twinkling stars. Oh, I didn't know this. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> You got it, you got it, you got it. I don't got it. So, I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> I like this beat. Do you know? What do you need? What, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> give me that one. See? Yes. Justin Bieber. <laughs> oh, with the Biebs. That's another one they're all loving. The Biebs. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, Shani likes him a lot. Yep. Yes. Wow. Well, there's no oldies on here. <laughs> I have a complaint. I thought this was gonna have some musical theater mixed in there. I mean, I can't pick what any favorites. What about some Frank this Sinatra is, this, this is or something? All right. Well, whatever. Right. I'm gonna lose, but it's fine. I All usually right. win. Are we ready okay. for clip six? Yes. Here I'm we ready. go. I'm gonna get this one. Oh! 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 Katy Perry. Uh, oh, he got it. Oh. <laughs> that is Katy Perry. Do you know that? Can you can you name the song? <laughs> I know it's Katy Perry. Roar! 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 Can we? Granny got that one. Can we? We well, give him half a point. He's our guest, right. you know. Okay, what are we at now? So whoever gets this one then is the winner. Oh gosh! Okay. Go. All right, Chris. Let's the do final. this. Let's see if we can yes. get this one. Yes. All right, make it an oldie, oldie. It sounds old. It sounds like Adele. <laughs> oh! Paul McCartney, the Beatles. It sounds very Elton John or Beatlesy. I knew it sounded like an oldie. You threw that in there. Go Good job. See. Yay. Yeah. Should I win? I knew it was something British. Something <laughs> 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 British. Yes, yes. We gotta include everybody. Yes, we got the Brits in there. I think I'm gonna have to give it to Chris because you both said it at the same time. And, oh, you know, right. I well, give it to Chris. He's like, I like Chris. So a I win a lot. Granny, I'm a winner. So. <laughs> wow. Way to go, Chris. Look at you go. Well, thanks for playing with me, dear. I'm gonna get, get some of your bling. Your bling bling. Your bling bling. Are you headed back to, to your home today? Yes, this evening. But I'll be back in three weeks. Okay, yay. You're here. You're out here pretty often. Yeah, about awesome. once a month. Okay. Well, Janie said she met you at the Moto Yoga. Uh, I've never been there, and I've never done yoga. But maybe I'll give it a go. You think I could handle it? Of course. Know. Okay. I don't know. It's pretty hot in there. Yoga's for everyone. Uh, even an old 86-year-old woman like me, dear. Yeah, just go slow. All right. I'll go slow. I'll go. As long as they play me some oldies, I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for playing, dear. Ta-ta for now. Bye-bye. <laughs> Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday for new episodes of Talking to Nobody podcast. Available on all podcast platforms. Thanks for listening. Talking to Nobody.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.